Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hello, and this is the next episode of It's Cheesy Hello, and welcome to everybody, especially if you're a transsexual. This is a great uh, one today. We've got the great John Wanglin coming back on. We're debating the top five kiss. We've got the absolutely hilarious Gina Grad coming on. Uh, a lot of uh, sexual tension, I guess you could say, between us. We were totally flirting with each other, and she's going to come to Ireland, and we're going to get married. Well, not really, but I can dream. Gina Grad is, of course, co-host of Adam Carolla show. She's on talking about working with Adam Carolla, this Kevin Hart controversy, how the liberals are going after Christmas songs, and just generally being very, very funny. And then on top of that, we get the absolute living legend, Vince Russo on. Uh, everybody who knows who Vince Russo is knows he's one of the best interviewees going possible. He's smart, he's funny, he's witty, he's honest. And best of all, he pretended to be able to understand what I was saying. Vince is on talking about rumours about Stone Cold Steve Austin, about Hall of Fame induction, about WCW stories. He's just all around interesting. And plus, you'll love the part, the fact that I crowbar in some of my old stand-up comedy material for him. But first, plugs. Do not forget that this show has a Patreon where you get a lot of exclusive content. You get the uncut versions of all of these interviews which you will hear nowhere else but on Patreon. You'll also hear all those interviews way earlier before the actual podcast release, such as just last night I interviewed Mark Norman. That whole interview uncut is up on Patreon right now and likely won't be on the podcast for about another two weeks. And don't forget to follow me on uh, Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Hughie on both. I'll be linked down below too. The show's very interactive. If you want to get involved with the show, if you want to appear on the show, that's how you can do it. You contact me through that. And don't forget to subscribe to the Creative Control Network, which is also on Twitter, and other Creative Control Network shows such as Wrestling with Regret, Oh What a Rush, Animal from Legion of Doom. Yes, the Animal from Legion of Doom. We get the 69 Minute Airgasm with Joe Gertner. And then, of course, the Creative Control Show itself, hosted by the Big Boss Man, 
Joe Finney. And speaking of creative control, you gotta look out for us on Instagram. There's a new Instagram that's being run over there. Look for creative control, look for at the Hughesy, look for wrestling with the Grant. And don't forget to drop a like and a comment for each one of them. And don't forget as well that if you're watching this on YouTube, you can get the uncut version of the show on iTunes. And if you're listening to it on iTunes and you want to see what we look like, go over to YouTube and look up Husey Entertainment and type in It's Husey Hello. And the plugs are over. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, it's time to talk some kiss. No, not like that. Time to talk about Kiss the Band, who as much as I love them, are a bunch of bastards because they won't come to Ireland. John, hello. Well, John, thanks for coming back on the podcast. Always, my friends. My pleasure to always come on your show, Heasy. And look what I got on especially for you. Look at that, man. I like it. A Merry Christmas, man. Merry Christmas. And I've also got it in uh, onesie for, for the chicks. Wow, I bet you the chicks take the onesie, man. Uh, definitely. You know, the only problem with uh, the onesie, though, is that, see, as soon as you put it on, if you need to go for a piss, you've got to take the entire thing off. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. So what would be your, your level of kiss fandom? I just started to really get into them, honestly, over the last year. So I one of my uh, one of my buddies is a, good, is a big kiss fan, so he got me listening to a lot of their songs. So I'm a novice still, man, but I lo- I'm, I'm, I've been marking out huge for them over the last year. Yeah, for me, I have this thing where I get into them, well, to be fair, like about uh, 18 years ago. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, uh, I get into them th- through compilation albums and stuff. So I, I couldn't say, oh, my favorite Kiss album is. Like, I just know them from, I know what I, all of those songs out of context. Yeah, that's how I am. I, I, I wouldn't be an, a knowledgeable guy on their records or anything and all their album covers and everything. But, you know, I, I'm definitely learning a lot of the songs a lot more. I really, there's just, they, they, they put so much good stuff out there. If you're a fan of music and rock and roll, I mean, Kiss is, is, Kiss is legendary for a friggin' reason. Yeah, and I think that visually they're the most exciting band ever. Mm-hmm. Like, even even if they're playing a song that's shit, you still go, <laughs> Paul Stanley looks pretty fucking good. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about that, man. Look at this like- jumper, look, look at that. That's fucking cool, man. The great thing about Kiss memorabilia is it's worth a shit ton of money. Like they look like they're having a great time. They make Christmas look even cooler. And the and the fact that Kiss, who are like the, they really are maybe the most commercial band in the world, mm-hmm. for them to have never done a Merry Christmas album, that's mm. metal to me. Yeah, I man. Especially with the way Gene Simmons markets everything, man. He's a, he's a very big businessman. I'm surprised that they haven't done that either. But you know, you know, it's crazy, right? Uh, I don't know if you've seen on the news or on Twitter, but uh, Gene Simmons' mother uh, passed away today. Really? How old is she? I think she was in her 90s. God, yeah, man. She had to have been. I but, remember uh, when, I, when they were on the show with her and he would have her on all the time. Yeah. and uh, But even though his, his mother died today, he's mm-hmm. still retweeting stuff, talk, promoting the tour. Hey, that's what it's all about, man, I guess, you know? It's ridiculous, but uh, yeah, that's a, that's a different level of, of business for me. And the thing about Gene Simmons is, people say uh, that he's a dick, but at the same time, he, the only thing <clears throat> uh, about him really is that uh, he's just more open about the fact that he wants your money. Uh huh. Whereas other bands try to be more subtle, but really they're all the same. 
Yeah, I agree with you on that, man. He is all about the money, and but he's very open about it, man. He likes his he likes his money, man. Yeah. Is he still with his wife Shannon Tweed or whatever? Did they ever get married and stay together? Yeah, well, they got married and stayed together, but I think it's because he's too old for groupies, so he's the fucking old oh, <laughs> stay with her. I wonder how many bitches he's been with, man. Can you? Oh, did you ever see his uh, the sax tape that leaked? No, I didn't. It's it, it, and this this woman was uh, I think she was a prostitute, and uh, he's having sex with her, and as she leans as he leans down in her face, she looks away from him like that. She she couldn't even look at him in the face. It's just, Ugh. yeah. I I'd like to I'd like to have sexual intercourse again. So I don't think I'd ever want to watch that sex tape, man. But Gene Simmons is a perfect example of someone who used his fame to get women because there's no way he'd be getting women if he worked at Subway. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, you ain't lying about that one, man. He doesn't have a good-looking mug on him, man. Yeah, uh, but the thing is, of all the surgery he's got, but he won't just get hair implants. Like, he's still get the comb over. <laughs> That's the fucking truth. What we're going to be doing in this segment is we're going to debate our top five Kiss songs. Gotcha. Okay, so why don't you start off with your number five? All right, my number five is just a classic. I want to rock and roll all night, man. Everybody knows I want to rock and roll all night. It's just a legendary song. It just there's there's no uh, there's no doubt about it. It's one of the it's one of the best songs of all time, man. Like it, it's one of those ones that will forever live in our head forever. And it's you know of course one of Kiss's biggest ones ever. And it's just a freaking tremendous song. So rock and roll all night is definitely my number five. And the, the, the weird thing about, like, because the lyrics is great, I want to rock and roll all night and party every day. Yep. And I think most people would if it wasn't for beer shits. <laughs> or the awful hangovers the next day. Oh, see, the, the hangover I can, <laughs> I can get through because the, the cure for a hangover is see if you have uh, two, two to three boiled eggs, mm-hmm. sort of eat them whole. Because it's so full of protein and, and no fat, no salt, no sugar, you're ready to go. But then the problem is when you've got to shit out half the bottle of whiskey you drank last night over over four separate times during the day, it makes you think, I think I'm just going to stay in and watch Alien 2 or whatever. <laughs> oh, fuck, man. You are something, man. <laughs> but yeah, I, I love uh, rock and roll all night. Great song, man. And it's one of those ones that the intro is so similar with the Oh, kiss cool. It's got a great sound to it, man. It really does. Oh, yeah. Well, my number five that I'm going for, uh, and this is, see, I kind of prefer 80s kiss to uh, modern, uh, to uh, any other era kiss. But a lot of people didn't like 80s Kiss because Paul Stanley was in charge of the band and it was less mm-hmm. rock and more popish, but didn't stop me. So a top so five, I'm going with the ballad Forever. Oh, good. Hey, I'll, well, I'll talk about Forever later. Yeah, for for it's and this is the thing about uh, I think the Paul Stanley is without a doubt the most underrated lead singer rock star ever. Like. He's mm-hmm. never put on the lists of the all-time greats. He's amazing, man. I love Paul Stanley. And he's st- and the fact that he can still... Well, he can't sing as well as he did, but he can still perform to those high kicks and shit. Mm-hmm. 
I love Paul Stanley, man. I know some people uh, don't like him as much as, as the others, but I like I love Paul Stanley, man. I think he's fucking tremendous, and I think Forever is a tremendous song. But I'll save my my, my my Forever thoughts for in a few minutes. Can you do a uh, a Paul Stanley impression? No, I cannot. I'm not good at impressions like you, man. Well, well this isn't an, an attempt, uh, you know. But it's like when he said, like, how many people in here want to rock and roll? You, you are tr- you are something, man. You should go on tour, brother. Oh, well, that's where we're talking about it for January. So what if you get in there at uh, number four, the greatest Kiss songs of all time? Mine's Love Gun, man. I love Love Gun. Oh. I like that. It's a, yeah, it's a harder, it's an edgier sound to it. It's just, it's a little different than what I think a lot of people equate with Kiss, man. Love Gun's just a fucking kick-ass song, man. I just love the hardier, but just the harder and edgier sound to it, man, that than some of their other songs. It's just, it's one of those ones that strikes me when you hear it. It's just, you got, it just brings you in. I love Love Gun. That's my number four. You put a trigger on my... I do. I love the drums in that one, man. It's just a fucking great song. Yeah, the, the, the intro to it is like... And then don't forget Ace's fucking guitar solo when it really kicks in. Mm-hmm. in the game, like, I love it when they draw it out and they do it for like seven or eight minute interludes for it. Like I've seen longer drawn out versions of it where they just go with it, man. And I think it's just a freaking kick-ass song. Love Gun is my number four, hands down. It's a it's a kick-ass song. What do you got for four? But but just the thing about Love Gun, it's like it's probably the most blatant song ever about a singer's dick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and probably all of theirs. <laughs> oh, pull the trigger, honey. Which uh, member of Kiss do you think has the biggest stick? Oh my God, I don't think it's Gene Simmons. I, I, I'm a Paul Stanley guy, man. I'll go with Paul Stanley or Ace Frehley, man. I'm gonna give one of those guys that. I don't think it's Gene. Gene's got the tongue, man. So he definitely got. The, he definitely doesn't have the biggest Johnson, man. At number four, I'm going with another one from the '80s, "Heaven's on Fire." Have, okay, that's a great song. Not one of my favorites, but it's a good song. And I, I just love the, the intro. It's like such a Paul Stanley intro. Where he does the. I, I like your number four though, man. It's a good one. It's not one of my top ten, but I do like it. And the thing is that, but it's such a weird song. Heaven's on fire, and uh, like the whole thing where it's like, feel my heat, make it go higher, burn with me. Heaven's on fire. Kind of sounds like they're singing about venereal disease. <laughs> oh shit, man! I'll tell you. Could well, be, man. You never know. Who knows on that stuff, man? Those Kiss definitely had a batch of a burning penis at some point over their career. Well, I think if you're you said you're an '80s fan of Kiss, man, you like the '80s sound more than anything, right? Uh, uh, yeah. Okay, so I think you'll like my number three, "Crazy Crazy Nights." Very interesting. Yep. Uh, when you find out why in a minute, like an '80s hair band style sound to me, man. Like it's really like. You know, the 80s hair band rock, man, all the Poisons, the White Snake, you know, all those different bands that, you know, all those different ballads. That's what Crazy Crazy Nights reminds me of. And it's just it's just one of those songs, man. It's just got a very different sound. And I, I, I really thoroughly enjoy that song. It's just I love 80s music anyways, and I love all the hair bands. So Crazy Crazy Nights is my number three. These are my people. This is my crowd. Oh, God, he's the, isn't it amazing that Paul Stanley is straight? 
Um, hey, man, you never know, though, nowadays, right? He might, he might have been covering it up all these years. True, true. But, yeah, yeah. but the, the thing about Crazy Nights is that uh, even though Kiss don't perform it live as much, which yeah. is because that's the song that saved Kiss, because they had a, a pretty dodgy 80s leading up to that. Um, mm -hmm. And then Crazy Nights came out, and that song was a massive hit, and, yeah, I, I love that song. That's a great pick. Shit, yeah, man. And the reason why it's interesting is because my number three is also off the Crazy Nights album. And, All it's, right. and it's a ballad, another ballad, Reason to Live. I'm not too familiar with that one. Oh, you will. We see after this. Okay. I, I said watch that music video. And it's right. just, it's, <laughs> it's, you know the way the Sylvester Stallone film, Cobra, this people oh, say. Oh, yes, I know that now. You are absolutely right, man. There it clicks in my head, man. Too many concussions got me. That's a great freaking song, man. Everybody's got a reason to live. And it, and it just, it's, it's the most that uh, Paul Stanley's ever sounded like he was singing the Baywatch theme tune. Ha! Sort of got into the number two. is the greatest Kiss song of all time. Mine is Forever. I love Forever. Yeah. It's a softer tune by them, man, but it's just fantastic. There's a great version on YouTube you can go find out when they played without makeup on with it, and they played it in like a, a like a like like more intimate setting live and uh, right out near where I live. Actually, it's out in Syracuse. If you look it up, and it's just one of those like it's just like one of those songs, man, that just hits you. It's just it's a fantastic song. I like the softer sound to it that they have with it, and it, it's just a it's just a freaking great song, man. If you don't like Forever, I don't know what to say for people, man. That's a great tune. But forever, it's one of those songs with with, with Kiss. It just because I think that people like uh, Kiss and James Brown, and Billy Idol and Dolly Parton, is it they become so famous and iconic that people forget they're actually amazing songwriters as well. Sure, and they write their own stuff, man. It's not somebody doing it for them. Exactly, and Kiss uh, showed you with forever just how great they they are. That's that that's that's a great way to put it, man, and it's true, especially in today's day and age. These guys don't write their own shit, man. Well, at number two, my greatest kiss song, and this is the only one from the seventies that's on my list. Mm -hmm. And it's another one of the more chilled out ones. Sure know something from the Dynasty album. Okay. Interesting it, choice. Good good just, song though. Yeah, but it's just it's a weird song for them because uh because it's such a laid back sort of like mm -hmm. Um, that that would sound terrible in stadiums because with stadiums you need songs like Crazy Crazy Nights and even big louder ones like Forever mm -hmm. sure know something is, is for like the more intimate stuff and it's brilliant I love it is I agree it's a really good song the thing I love about Kiss is they have such different styles in all their different genres you can see throughout all their different albums and how long they've been around like, they can play so many different ways and sound amazing. And mm. that's that's what that's just the way about them that they can consistently reinvent themselves, and that's why they're a timeless act. Are you going to see them on this uh, f uh, apparently farewell tour? I wish, man. I don't get a chance to get out to concerts as much, man. I would love to though. Yeah, I, I want to go, but they're not playing in Ireland, so I would have to go to the UK and. Uh... I'm really not in the mood for going over there to fucking England. Oh, I don't blame you, man, because you guys don't like the English over there. Yeah, they're going to all kiss my arse. 
Yeah, there you go, buddy. If I can, though, I'll check them out and let you know. I wish I could, man. I'm trying to go to WrestleMania, so I'm going to see if I can save up for it. It's about two hours from my house this year, so I'm going to try to go. You know, you know the one thing about WrestleMania that's really got me excited? Uh, we're, we're, we're about four or five weeks away from WrestleMania season starting. Uh-huh, yep. None of the matches have leaked out yet. And there's going to be a lot of changes for whatever I think they were going to do. We've come to the all-important time. What's the number one greatest Kiss song of all time? Detroit Rock City. Oh. Just love Detroit Rock City, man. Fucking great song. The the intro on it is one of the best of all time, man. I used to we used to we used to come out to it and I used to listen to it for uh when I would go out before you get I played hockey my whole life and football and stuff. I'd always listen to Detroit Rock City, man, to get jammed, like jammed up and pumped up, ready to break somebody's face. And <laughs> just one of those songs, if you can't get ramped up and get the adrenaline flow and listen to the Detroit Rock City, I don't know what to say about you. You need to get some more testosterone pumping through you as a dude, because that fucking song just kicks ass, man. Yeah, it's one of those songs I would call Unplay Audible. Yep, hands down. If you don't know Detroit Rock City, you just need to go jump off a bridge. Yeah, and it's one of those things where it's uh, Detroit Rock City, it's... um. Uh, it's one of those things where everything's great. The intro's great, the mm-hmm. the chorus is great, the verses are great, and then the double guitar solo with Paul Stanley and Ace playing at the same time. And then uh, the whole time, Peter Chris's drum is just on the drums man the drums in the kiss songs like you said like in one of the earlier songs you were mentioning man the drums on them is just awesome just fucking i love love their stuff man it, it's just i'm getting better and better and like i said it's only been about a year plus that i've been listening to them really heavy and man there's so much good shit they do what do you got for number one i want to hear yours number one the greatest kiss song of all time and this was co-written by brian adams apparently okay I Love It Loud from the Creatures of the Night album. Okay. And it's just, like, the, the music video for it was so of its time, because I think it came out in, like, 1981 or 1982, and you could really tell the kiss is kissing the arse of MTV, because mm-hmm. in it, it's like this conservative family having dinner, and the kid sneaks off to put on the music channel, and mm-hmm. it's doing this video, and the, kid, uh, and the kid's really like, oh, wow, wow, and the dads are like, turn off the rock and roll and it's just and also the thing I love about it is because Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley are trading uh, like like verses you know because like Gene sings the verse and then Paul Stanley sings the chorus and it's just kiss sounding heavy and it kicks arse and it's so catchy and the fact that the song fades out but then comes back in again with a good yep. And it's always Kiss at their best live as well. Heck yeah, man. Heck fucking yeah. No problem. And I just want to say a Merry Christmas to everyone. Merry Christmas, everybody, man. Husey, check out his show for all those who don't listen, man. I listen to Husey's shit every week. I want to I want to do a follow-up with you about that about your Kenny Boland interview. Because I want to talk to you about that, bro. All right, brother. Be good, man. Check us out, folks. WWR Podcast on Twitter. Check us out, Wrestling With Reality Podcast, Facebook, and we're on YouTube now, WWR Podcast. Listen up. Next show's out Friday. We give you two episodes a week, guys. See ya.
when you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
John, we must rock sometime. Up next is Gina Grant. Gina is gorgeous. Gina is hilarious. Gina is as witty as you can get. She seems like an ultimate dragon partner. Can you guess it's Christmas time? Gina, hello. Is this video, because I did not retouch since 6 o'clock this morning. If it helps, I'm, I'm coming over a, a two-day drinking binge hangover. If that... Good. Okay, I feel better. All right. I think it looks fine if, if I'm allowed to say that these days. All right. Thank you. Okay. I would have thrown some concealer on, but that's okay. Oh, no. You're grand. So, hey, Gina Grant, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. This is great. And it's just, uh, it's, it feels so weird from someone who's on a podcast to get something like infinity billion downloads a day. <laughs> was I only get about 10 billion downloads a day so it's a bit of a step down you know yeah no a huge step down to 10 billion yeah and, you know it's a start yeah you gotta start somewhere but speaking of which that's something I gotta ask you um, so when you joined the Corolla show it was already this massive hit show so like how nervous were you when you realised Holy shit, this is probably the biggest audience I'm ever going to debut in front of. Uh, the answer is incredibly. Um, I, I've been doing radio for years at that point, and just you would just kind of have to act as if, act as if you're not terrified, act as if this isn't the scariest thing you've ever done. Um, Adam actually called me uh, a week or so before I started and just to give me some pointers and kind of feel some stuff out. And one thing I will never forget that he said to me was don't treat the first show. Like it's your first show, treat it like it's your 60th show. You know, you're not auditioning. You don't need to, you know, cram anything in. You don't need to tap dance extra. Just, just, you know, see how much you can sort of blend in, in, in a good way. And, and I'm paraphrasing, but that, that really meant a lot to me because otherwise, what do we do? We push, we try extra hard, we overcompensate. And when you're alone in your car, listening, you know, to this intimate experience, and you hear, hear someone shoehorning themselves in, it's, it's, it's hard to listen to. So that was really good advice from him. And, and especially with somebody like Corolla, because like you, you could say the word banana, and he's like, that reminds me of a time. And then, you know, it's a 40-minute fucking speech, you know? Oh, I hadn't noticed. I, I wasn't. Uh, this is, let, me, let me write this down, because I might need to bring this up on the show. Yes. Yes. <laughs> he has a lightning-fast mind and a Rolodex that doesn't end. So you're exactly right. I say, well, I had a banana for breakfast. First of all, Vinny Tortorich, our house nutritionist, would kill me if I had a banana for breakfast. But you're absolutely right. Adam will do 15 minutes on it and say, okay, what do we got next? And I'm like, well, I didn't finish my banana story. So, yes. <laughs> well, that's like uh, I, about a, uh, two or three weeks ago, I interviewed the comedian Jim Florentine. Oh, I love Jim. I, no matter what I said to him, the conversation was turned around to anal sex. We yeah. might have that problem, too. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, my, I really am way more hungover than I imagined. But yeah, with, with, with Florentine, it's just like, it's like, 
uh, you know, the thing about Guns N' Roses is how many <laughs> tracks are banged up the ass? Like, <laughs> yeah, great point, great point. That's good. <laughs> but, uh, but speaking of which, when you do the show, because the, the thing about the Cruelest show that's great is that he obviously says whatever he thinks and he encourages everybody else to say what he thinks. He lets, you know, sure. he, he says things. But in this modern day piece of shit culture that we're living in, do you ever get nervous about the fact that snowflakes are literally like this to the speakers going, they might say something about any, any minute now? I, you know what? I Yes and no. I, I do think if I laugh at something or if I add to a joke or if I give my opinion, A, it'll be taken out of context because we joke and, and it, we're dry. It's a dry, sarcastic sense of humor. So if somebody who doesn't listen to the show might think we're serious. But um, yeah, I, I often wonder what would happen if the words that I said on the show were printed and, you know, put in it and in its own article to keep me from hosting the Oscars or something, because that's going to happen. But I do, I, I definitely thought about that more when I was also uh, doing a morning show here in Los Angeles, because I was in two worlds at once, one very corporate, very stringent world that paid a lot of bills and was very good to me. And it was also a dream job. And in the afternoons, I go to the podcast, which is also a dream job. And I want to make sure I'm serving two masters appropriately and with, you know, with my whole self and speaking my mind, but, but did feel at times that there, I needed to walk a certain tightrope just to keep everyone happy and just to make sure that I was being my full self in just a little bit of the confines of, of what uh, uh, corporate America and, and what my, my other bosses would, would deem appropriate. So now I feel like I have a little more freedom uh, just just hanging out with Adam every day, but not much. I mean, we're, we're pretty authentic no matter what. I, I would describe you as uh, the Ronnie Wood of podcasting. Oh. <laughs> because uh, Ronnie Wood, uh, when he joined the Rolling Stones, it was already <laughs> an established thing. Uh-huh. But, the fact is, and I, I can't imagine the Rolling Stones now, Ronnie Wood. So it's this like this is the best lineup the show's ever had. Wow! Thank you, thank you. That's that's incredibly kind. I am uh, Teresa Strasser, who was the original news girl. She's like a big sister to me. I've known her for a million years. We both worked at KLSX, where she worked with Adam. I worked at night. She worked in the morning with Adam. She's been in my life forever. She's a wonderful person. I didn't really know Allison, but I know she's super smart and very talented in her own right. So I know these were, were big shoes to fill, and that's a huge compliment to me. Thank you. Do you think uh, Corolla has a prejudice against Hiram blue-eyed women? <laughs> yes. No, uh, it is funny that all three of us are sort of Semitic, uh, <laughs> brunette Jews with a, as you were all from different uh, places, I think, but sort of some similar outlooks on life. Uh, it is funny. I, I don't know how that happened. Uh, well, he's, he's a racist. And so that's the headline we can go for. <laughs> but I got to ask you this, because the, the one thing I do every day, well, it's basically get dirty luck by people in the streets, but I also get uh, really pissed off at snowflakes. And uh -huh. um, I'd love to hear your take on this shit about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Because uh, just before I interrupt you one last time, sorry. There's With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There's, there's this classic Christmas song called Fairy Tale in New York. Oh, I love that song. Oh, I, I played it on Corolla. Well, the they're trying to ban it over here now. Oh, I it. Now, yeah. I get that, right? But here's the thing. Over here, faggot means lazy. It doesn't mean... Uh, you know the homophobic thing. Don't say we. I did not know that. Yeah, and and that's the whole thing because like it's Irish people singing an Irish song. He's an Irish slang. Wow. But, but it, yeah, because it's like, why would a woman call her boyfriend gay in an argument? It's like, I bet you, I'm not. Do you remember what happened last night, baby? It's a very good point. Yeah, but so that that ninety four hour long question that I asked was basically. What's your take on this whole? We put like, do you find it weird how snowflakes are more offended by Christmas songs than hip hop songs? That is an excellent point, my dear. Um, yeah, we actually we we talked about this the, the last day or so on the Adam Carolla show about how it, it goes both ways. It's when when everything you know, if it's one out of ten, and you know, say Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer is a one, and we're treating it like a ten then people really who, who are uh, uh, responsible for nines and tens and you know racist and bullying and misogynistic and homophobic and all those horrible things get lumped in with people talking about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. As, as Adam says, it's never been a better time to be a racist because you're hiding among all of these ones and twos when you're really the problem. But we're when we talk about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer being um, you know, so grotesque and horrible, um, you know, for bullying a, 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 a fictitious animal about his fake light-up nose, then um, I don't think we're doing anyone a service because there are kids that kill themselves over being bullied. And I don't think they'd like to be compared to a cartoon reindeer at all. And I'm, I'm telling you, Mark, my words, this time next year, they're going to bond White Christmas. I think you're right. I think that's very, uh, that's very Nostradamus-like of you. And you're not going to be allowed to call it Black Friday. <laughs> that already, people are already, uh, there's there's murmurs about that. So, yeah, I think you're right. It's it's not Friday. It's Friday, but it identifies as a bank holiday Monday. Now, I will tell you, growing up in the Midwest here, in, in the middle of the country, as a Jewish kid who's never had Christmas before, I and, and there was no such thing as, you know, protecting, you know, young little minds of different cultures and different religions. I'd go to public school and we'd be told to, you know, sing the Christmas songs and fill in the, you know, color the Santa Claus. And I was uncomfortable. I was a little Jewish kid and we were told we don't celebrate this holiday. And I was one of maybe two in a school of how a thousand. And I remember going to the teacher and saying, um, I, I, I think this was maybe second grade saying, we don't celebrate Christmas. Is there something else I can color? And the teacher ripping the picture out of my hand and rolling her eyes and just throwing it on the desk. That doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> and it's not because I was, 
you know, particularly raised as a fragile child. It was just, we were Jewish and we were told you don't celebrate Christmas. So doing this at school felt a little, little off to me. And when I asked the teacher about it, she could not have been more put out by the question. So these days that's over. But do you think that there's almost starting to become, I wouldn't say a, a, a backlash against the snowflakes, but like, like it was today in the news, uh, Kevin Hart, uh, yeah. Refused to apologize for a joke he made years ago, which yeah. I find that really ironic because uh, he's not funny. So how can you tell when he's telling the joke anyway? But do you think that the fact that there's people like this, uh, just say there was a fight in a bar, and I and I stabbed you, that uh, you couldn't press charges on me after seven months because it's like, well, the, the limitation's done now. Right. So I can stab you and get away with it after seven months. But if you tell a joke about, uh, I, I don't know, about Chinese people 15 years ago, oh, that's yeah, that, that's definitely the hot topic right now. And I have a couple thoughts on this. Um, yeah, nobody wants their past dug through, right? We've all said things I'm sure we regret and we've said them publicly about, you know, people or about a certain person or whatever. And it, it's a little cringeworthy when that comes up on your Facebook timeline. But in general, um, I don't know, we're, we're supposed to be, you know, and liberals are, are sort of known for this, being a culture of you must evolve. You, who you start out to be does not have to be who you end up to be. Let's all evolve into a kinder, gentler, blah, 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 blah. And there are things about that that I love. But how can we evolve if you won't let us evolve? Like, yeah. allow us to evolve. And so when Kevin Hart says, I can't keep addressing this, I've said it a thousand times. That's not the person I am proud of anymore. I have evolved into a different person. There's not, there's really no, um, I mean, celebrating might be too much of a word, but there's nobody gets a, a kudos and, and, a, and applause for changing and, and for being a more progressive thinker. We just find them on their worst day and try to end their careers. And that's really, that's very scary to me. And I think I'm a pretty um, fair-minded, I'm not a super controversial person. And I do worry that everything I've built my life to um, to achieve could be taken away from me by somebody anonymous uh, who who either wouldn't accept an apology, see that I've evolved, or just let me be my damn self. Um, so yeah, I worry about that. I also wonder, well, at, at least here, and I imagine this goes on all over the world, that we're saying two things at once. On one hand, we're saying ignore the comments, kids, people, celebrities, everyone, ignore the comments. Don't read the comments. Those are just, you know, you know, haters and people who live in their mom's basement and blah, blah, blah. Don't read the comments. That's like, don't feed the bears. Don't read the comments. We all know that it's been drilled into our heads. Yet at the same time, the people reading the comments are the people firing people from their jobs. So, you know, Kevin Hart has to step down or a professor has to step down or this person's out of a job, that person's out of a job. And it's like, well, wait, do we read the comments or do we not read the comments? So it's a mixed message, I think, to kids. It's a mixed message when it comes to bullying. Um, and I'm an adult and I'm confused by it. And But the thing that's crazy as well is it, it's, it's like, if, if, we wouldn't even call it flavor of the month. It's like a flavor of the... 48 hours, because then they move on. So you can't keep uh, uh, reacting to it. Like, eh, I'm offended. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It's like, ah, fuck off. 
Yeah, it's scary. It's scary. And and you know, you watch shows like did you watch Mad Men when it was on? Hated it and I watched every episode and I thought it was <laughs> Okay. So at least you've seen it. I get it. I get it. But you you know, as a woman, you watch stuff like that and you're thinking, oh, hell no. You don't talk to women like that. You don't touch women like that. You don't you don't assume you have domain over women like that. That's and and I'm glad we've evolved past that. I certainly would have a tough time negotiating a world where a guy is allowed to smack you on the ass and you better keep your mouth shut. Uh, that, that's those days are over. But um, but at the same time, I do worry about like in my I, I work on a comedy podcast and Adam says grotesque things to me that are hysterical because he is a genius. And he can say whatever he wants because you hear, I, I can't stop the cackle. The cackling laugh comes from inside my soul. It, it, I, there's nothing I can do about it. He's so funny. And then you have these little, uh, you know, these little players out there trying to follow his lead or insult me or say something offensive. And I say, Hey, excuse me. And they go, well, Adam can say it. I go, yeah, Adam's a genius. Uh, so there's a difference there. By the way, I'm going to take that drop out of context i'm going to play it at the start of every podcast from now on you're welcome to <laughs> the, the thing about adam that i think is so funny because like he just, it just proves you that some people are funny like him and some aren't like kevin hart and aziz Ansari. like the fact that uh adam carolla can be funny just from grunting like from that drop the play he goes hey when he was getting a massage. <laughs> and I don't know why that's so... Like, I've seen Amy Schumer stand-up specials where I watch like this, like... like yeah. And then he just goes, Aye! and then it's like, well, I've got to pause this because I'm laughing my bollocks off. Yep, yep, yep. Let me ask you this. Uh, to me, the greatest interviewee is uh, Norm MacDonald. <laughs> yeah. Wherever he goes, eh, 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 eh. so talk to me about your experiences of uh, interviewing and being in that room with Norm Macdonald. Um, first of all, I have to admit, I, I haven't been in the room with Norm Macdonald that often. Sometimes those are one-on-one -on -one shows. Sometimes it's so we, we don't get to see Norm as much as we would like to. Um, I've met him. He's very polite. He's lovely. He's very uh, sweet. But I don't have the FaceTime with Norm that I would personally enjoy. So I will absolutely get back to you on that. Is he is he really good looking in person? Because I've heard that people like him and Jim Carrey are in person. Women are like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, yeah, sure. I mean, he's, he's a nice looking man. I, I, I don't know that I would say, uh, you know. He's not my hall pass, but there's there's no there's nothing wrong with that. There's a lid for every pot. <laughs> He's they're all they're all nice looking, nice nice gentlemen. Well, I'd dad fuck him, but uh, not in a gay way because I'm straight. Yeah. So here's the thing, and we all know you're you're dying to really talk shit about someone. So, well, maybe you don't want to name names, but what's it like when you've got a guest in the room, and you can just tell, oh shit, this is going bad. <laughs> you know, it's funny you should ask that because I was actually thinking about that for some reason driving yesterday. I don't know why it popped in my head, but it's so funny when people talk about like, you know, oh, this person said something and the room just turned cold or, you know, I got this, you know, 
chill down my spine. You're like, that's not a thing. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is. It's a thing. Um, we've, we've had guests that either just for whatever reason, the, the interview never got off the ground or they clearly don't want to be there or, and this is, I mean, I've been in radio for a long time, so this is across the board, or you say something and they're, they're taken aback or they're offended or whatever. And the energy, if your eyes were closed and you had ear protection on, you would know that the energy had changed in the room. And when you have, you know, in this case, a captain steering the ship like Adam, you, you know, he can, he can get out of anything and, you know, make, make it fun again. But there are times where I'm just like, Oh, glad it's not me, but I'm not interviewing this person. Cause I, I certainly wouldn't know what to do now. Do you have a, a dream guest? Did you like to get on the show one day? Oh, sorry. Um, obviously you do. I mean, who is your dream guest? Did you <laughs> well, we've had a few of them. Um, uh, that I've been absolutely like gobsmacked. I couldn't believe I was sitting so close to them. Um, Pat Oswald, I've always been a huge fan of. Ross Tyson uh, just blows your mind when he's on. Um, Gordon Ramsay. Um, whoa, 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 whoa! You like Gordon Ramsay? Uh, no, he's the worst. I hate him. I agree. I agree. Okay, 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 okay. Okay, I'm sweating there for a second. Oh my god. Um, yeah, Leah Remini, and they're talking about Scientology to our faces. I mean, some really cool experiences. Now, I don't know that this woman is ever coming on the show. I don't know if I'll ever get that lucky. I don't think she's exactly our demo. I think my only shot is the fact that Adam knows how much I love her. If, if it was my birthday and Adam Carolla wanted to do anything for me, the door would open, the light would pour in, and country singing legend Miss Dolly Parton would walk right into the room. <laughs> I'm, a huge, I'm a huge Dolly Parton fan. <laughs> you know, it's funny you mentioned that because we were having a music debate about her earlier. And I said, uh, Kiss, James Brown, Billy Idol and Dolly Parton are all four people who don't get the credit as songwriters because they're so famous and iconic. The people don't go, yeah, but the actual songs are brilliant. Like, that's great. I'm so impressed with you. Not that I wasn't before, but yes, I absolutely couldn't agree more. And I, I know this is going to sound a little inside, maybe ask Kissy. I don't know. I don't care. Maybe. But I would love, yeah, I would love for you to be there. Um, I would love to sit, because I sit in between Adam and the guest. So I'm kind of doing this entertainment ping pong during interviews. I would love, since I only met him for the first time last night, actually, at a party for two seconds, I would love for Jimmy Kimmel to sit down in that chair. And just let them kind of 
wax poetic and bullshit together because I, I think the fans would love that. I'd love it. They're old friends. They are politically, uh, you know, in some ways, incredibly far apart. They're nice guys. They come from, you know, somewhat humble beginnings. They work their asses off. They're both big stars and they're kind of best friends. And I would love to see that sort of bromance bloom in front of us again on, on uh, in the studio. That would be uh, amazing to hear that, especially as you right. say, because politically. But then again, the thing I like about Corolla is that he's he's the sort of person who's like, yeah, I can say, I can think what I want, you can think what you want, but we could still, uh, you know, go snort coke after the show together. That's exactly right. That's that's the thing that brings us all together. It's the great equalizers is <laughs> cocaine. <laughs> but he does say that. He does say, you know, you take someone who politically couldn't be farther apart from each other, and chances are they both, you know, they're faithful to their wives. They both pay their taxes. They both raise their kids. You know, they both want to have a nice community. They both, you know, whatever. They're more similar than they are different. We just don't think of it that way. And then do you cope with them? Obviously. That goes without saying. And speaking of cocaine, uh, I was wondering that, uh, now, of course, you've done it before. Uh, of course. <laughs> I mean, not not. I mean, <laughs> I mean uh, but what I mean is what you've done before is an uh, international show. So, oh it, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, I'll put I'll put that drop in at the start of the show as well. Thank you. Great. So, are there plans for any more international shows for the Corolla show? God, I want to so bad. There is nothing more fun than traveling for those live shows. It's the best. We have the cruise. Does that count? We have the cruise next year. Um, that's going to go out of Miami here in the States. And then it's going to go to, uh, I think, the Bahamas. So that's going to be amazing. But besides the cruises, nothing that I know of on tap. But Adam goes to the Goodwood, uh, you know, goes to Goodwood every year in London. We aren't invited because we're not uh, we're not there to race. But yes, we have begged and made our feelings heard. And uh, I think before it's just been sort of a cost situation. You can't just bring Brian, Adam, and Gina, and you know we all record into our iPhones. We have a crew, we have a staff, and it, it gets expensive very quickly. Well, if you ever uh, end up doing any shows in Ireland, uh, give me give me a message and uh, leave the boyfriend at home. <laughs> you know what? I got to tell you, Ireland, I've, I've been to a, a, a many countries. I have many on my list I want to go to. Ireland is number one. I am dying to go to Ireland. I have had this in my soul, in my heart for since I was a little kid. I, I've got to go to Ireland. Well, if, if I could give you the, the best time to do it would be next winter because nobody does pubs and bars like Ireland. Like, I, I usually don't drink, but ever since October, I've been on the piss nearly every day. <laughs> hey, you know what? I'm going to put me, because you're so sweet and you're so fun and you've done some impressions for me. I'm going to do something um, incredibly uh, terrifying that I'm going to regret the second I do it. Have you heard of a play, an old play called Dancing at Lunasa? It's an old play. And it's about a, a family of Irish girls. And they're all... Um, they're all from Northern Ireland. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, I, I was in the show, and we all had to, in, in, we all had to learn the dialects. You know, we, we had coaches, and we had to write things out phonetically. And um, I'd like to give you a sample of my Donegal and uh, see how horrible it is. This, is. this was a while ago, too. Go on ahead. Ready? Okay. This is the worst idea I've had in a long time. All right, here we go. 
<clears throat> I arranged to meet Danny Bradley there, Kate. He brought me out in his father's blue boat and I brought a bottle of milk and a packet of biscuits with me and we had a picnic on the lake. <laughs> well, let's just... Maybe that character went to university in Scotland or something. Oh, really? And came back to Donegal. <laughs> that actually is not that different from the character. <laughs> and she's a cocaine user. Let's just do all the back the backstory. <laughs> so not a not a good Northern Ireland accent. Well, uh, it sounded like. She- <laughs> It sounded like she's from here, but also travels a lot. Oh, that's just because I'm bad at it. Yeah. That wasn't part of the case. Uh, I'd, I'd say it's uh, advanced. Okay. <laughs> I wanted a professional opinion, so thank you. There's no wrong answer. I can work on it. I'll be back and I'll do it again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she could play. She could play the friend, you know. <laughs> but uh, just as we come to the final question. Yeah, the big, big, important question that your whole career, your whole fan base, your whole future uh, relies on the answer to this question. Okay. The Spice Girls are back. Who was your favorite Spice Girl? Can I be honest? Uh, I'm scared. Permission to speak candidly. (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) When the Spice Girls came onto the scene. I personally thought I was way too old for this and thought they were so lame and that thought they were for like little girls. And so I, a friend of mine had a dry erase board that had the Spice Girls on it with a list and it said, people I fancy today. And I threw it in a trash can. Oh. Do I still have to pick one? That's exactly the sort of stuff that Hitler did. (laughs) Okay, Ginger. Ginger, how about that? No, the answer we were looking for was baby. Oh, it's always baby. You guys are so sick. You love that stuff. You love the like, oh, happy birthday, Mr. President, Marilyn Monroe. Like, you guys love the baby girl. That's your thing. Dudes, man. Dudes. I'm putting that drop at the start of the episode. (laughs) I'm a good, I'm I'm a soundbite machine. What can I say? Oh, definitely. Well, listen, Gina, I just want to thank you for coming on. You're, you're absolutely hilarious. And I'm a big fan of the show, big fan of your Twitter as well. Oh, thank you. You as well. This is really fun. Oh, thanks. Well, uh, hopefully I get to meet you in person one day and we'll go out and a binge drink. All right. Let's, I'm a real lightweight, so just show me the fastest way to the hospital. <laughs> no problem, Gina. All right. I'll see you later. And uh, have a great Christmas, yeah? <laughs> you too. Merry Christmas. Are you looking for another great podcast? Well, check out Get a Grip on Life, a podcast interviewing entrepreneurs, social media influencers, content creators, stand-up comedians, industry insiders, and more. Join host Michael Colligan as he finds out what makes these people tick as everyone tries to get a grip on life. Be sure to visit getagriponlife.com for all of their previous episodes, links to social media channels and more. Or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search for Get A Grip On Life. And don't forget to check them out on at Get A Grip Podcast on Twitter 
and let them know that you were sent here by Husey and the Creative Control Network. Thank you, it's worth it. Check it out. Bye bye. It's coming on Christmas, they're cutting down trees, they're putting up reindeer and singing songs of joy and peace. I wish I had a river that I could skate away on, but it don't snow here, it stays pretty green. I'm gonna make a lot of money, and then I'm gonna quit this crazy scene. I wish I had a river. I could skate away on I wish I had a river so long I would teach my feet to
Thank you, Janet. You're a brilliant guest. You're a brilliant interview. Great person. And I'm not jealous of your boyfriend at all. <laughs> Up next is Vince Russo. I mean, how do you really introduce Vince Russo? The guy's a legend. The guy's hilarious. The guy's smart with He's not as beautiful as Gina Grad, but I'm sure there's someone that likes him. He's on talking a bunch of great wrestling stories. Vince Russo, hello. So, hey, Vince Russo, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. No problem, bro. Where are you from in Ireland? Where are you from? Uh, Belfast. Oh, I, I, I've heard of Belfast. I've, I've been to Dublin once, but that's about it. So how far away are you from Dublin? Uh, it depends how many drinks I've had before driving, really. <laughs> <laughs> so is it a drive? Is it like a couple of hours or what? Uh, it's it's about ninety minutes. Uh, oh, that's not bad. Okay, that's not bad. But if uh, if I ever get a new if we get a good new album, I, I like to take about two hours to really realize how shit modern music is. You know. Yeah, I hear you, man. I hear you. Yep. So Vince, uh, one of the things I really wanted to ask you about on this is the fact that uh, like I've been listening to you doing podcasts and doing interviews for a long, long time, and. Uh, I've wanted to ask you about certain stuff, like internet rumors and shit like that, just to get that confirmation about them. But I've tried to keep it down to stuff that you've not spoken about as much. Okay. But before we get to that, I just want to tell you a very cool story about Scott Steiner. Okay. Uh, as I'm sure uh, you you would remember this, of course, you went on this program over in England called Wrestle Talk TV. Yes, yep, yep. And the host was this complete, well, I'll say it, you don't have to say it, but he was a complete arsehole. And he was coming at you with all these fake facts and made-up numbers and all this shit. And somebody brought this up to Scott Steiner, and he said to us, and because they were talking about the end of WCW, Scott Steiner said to us, Vince Rousseau isn't to blame for a single thing that went wrong in WCW. He said all the trouble was started way before you even came in. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's absolutely true, bro. It was um, it was a mess the day that we walked in the door, bro. Um, yes, I appreciate Scott saying that. But I mean, that's the truth. Yeah, because he, he said that uh, you tried to do so much there, but all you ever got was, oh, that doesn't work for me or I can't do that or we're going to go in a different direction. And it's like, what's he supposed to do? Yeah, no, I try my best, bro. That's all that matters. I mean, I tried my absolute best, but um, I don't know, bro. I don't think anybody would have succeeded in that position, man. It was just a really tough spot. Yeah, yeah, but the thing is, I think you get unfairly shit on, and I'll I say that to everybody. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I tend to agree with you, bro. Well, let's let's get in, bro. Is that a is that a scar on your face, No. Yeah. Yeah, well, I've got a couple what, of scars. What what happened? What What's that from? Oh, uh, I fell over on the table when I was a kid and I broke my oh jaw. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> wow, how many stitches did that take? Oh, it was plastic surgery. Oh, really? Was that bad, huh, bro? Yeah, you, you could see my teeth and all through here. Oh, wow. <laughs> how, how young were you? About seven, I think. And what, you, ju- you just fell, bro, on like a table? Yeah, it was because you know, it used to be one of those cornered edges, and I landed right into it. Oh, <laughs> man, that must have hurt like hell, bro. 
Uh, well, uh, luckily it knocked me out completely. Oh, did it really? Oh yeah. So, so they, so I'm, I'm, so when you got to surgery and everything, then you were, you were out then you didn't feel anything. Yeah. And the worst thing is only got four days off school. Oh my God. Four days. Yes. Yeah, like, like I wasted my time then. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, so bro, you said you got a few scars, bro. What do you got? A, what, you know, what are you getting in scuffles over there, bro? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but this, this scar here. Uh, is also from falling over. You can't really see it. And then I've got a. I don't know if you can see that scar in the back of my ear. Yeah, yeah, bro. Uh, I, I get into a fight and somebody grabbed me by the ears and headbutt me. Oh my <laughs> god, bro! <laughs> but I won, Vince. Don't worry, I won. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I hope the other guy looks worse than you, bro. Yeah, he, he was bald by the time he was fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> But hey, uh, let, let's get into the gossipy, rumory stuff because this is the stuff. I just think of talking to you about this has just been like, please, Santa, yeah, no, please. absolutely, bro. I'm, o- I'm always gonna shoot straight, uh, bro. I'm a grandpa now. I'm gonna be 58 years old. I've got nothing to lie about. Some stuff I don't remember, bro. If I don't remember something, I'll tell you. But mm-hmm. I'm never gonna lie about anything, bro. That's uh, all we could need from a person, really. Yeah. So. The, the big rumor I'd heard, uh, well, one of the big rumors I'd heard was back in 1999, uh, and even in 1998, Stone Cold Steve Austin was uh, not so much difficult backstage, but uh, he would flat out refuse certain storylines, like, well, goddamn, Vince, that doesn't work for me. So one of the rumors I've always heard about, was it true that there was plans for Stone Cold Steve Austin Versus a Jeff Jarrett feud. Yeah, first of all, let me tell you something. Uh, Steve never one time said, I won't do that. Never. Never to me, ever. And all the time I work with him, never. Uh, Steve Austin used to work for Jerry's uh, Jeff's father, Jerry Jarrett. Okay, mm-hmm. bro? And he has some really, really bad memories working with Jerry Jarrett. A lot of it has to do with pay. Like Austin felt that like Jerry Jarrett never paid him anything. There was a time, bro, when when Steve was walk, working for Jerry Jarrett, bro, he used to live on boiled potatoes. That's all he could afford, bro. So when Jeff Jarrett came to the WWE, Steve told me, I never want to work with him. That's how much he despised Jeff's father. And he said, I never want to work with Jeff Jarrett. Don't ever book me with Jeff Jarrett. And, bro, like after about a year, I thought that maybe Steve forgot about that. So I actually tried to kind of sneak in the back door and get him in a little angle with Jeff. And he would he would have none of it. But you got to understand, he told me beforehand, do not book me in an angle with Jeff. Bro, that was the only time. I mean, outside of that, he never, ever uh, had a problem with anything. See, even just hearing that, it's like it's like my mom saying, it's extra big breakfast for Christmas Day. Yeah, but that's, that's the God honest truth, bro. That's, that's the honest truth. 
What about the, the rumors that have obviously Ken Shamrock? Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. But won the, uh, was booked to win the uh, 1998 King of the Ring. But the the big rumor at the time was that that was supposed to lead to uh, a Ken Shamrock versus Steve Austin feud, which Austin also shut down. Is there any truth to that? Absolutely, absolutely not. No, none of that is true, bro. Absolutely not. None of it. Do you think that, uh, bro, Steve Austin? Let me tell you one thing about Steve Austin. As as much as a mega star that he was, bro, bro, he did not have an ego. He he never pulled that power trips trip stuff ever. And all that stuff you just told me is absolutely not true. It's almost like that guy Meltzer would print, would print fake news. Uh, bro, you know, bro. Listen, <laughs> these guys have sources. They never tell you who their sources are. Their sources are guys in the locker room that, you know, usually have an axe to grind, usually have some kind of an agenda. So, you know, you got to take that stuff into consideration when when Meltzer reports something. Somebody's passing that along to him and some that somebody usually has an axe to grind. Well, I got I to gotta tell you this. So I remember you said that uh, Survivor Series 98 was your greatest Birkin, yeah, I've I've got to give you the fully loaded uh, 1999 because that's the one pay-per-view out of any one, any WrestleMania, any SummerSlam. That's the only pay-per-view I can watch from start to finish. Often it's just it's genius and every match is fucking amazing. And there's a cool well, get- What was the main event in that one, bro? Because I don't remember. What, what was the main event? Oh, that was uh, Austin versus The Undertaker in the first blood match. Oh, uh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Was it ever a uh, awkward backstage of uh, how often Austin versus Undertaker happened? Yet their matches weren't so great. So what? What are you asking me? Basically, uh, what was the feeling backstage like? Uh, like about uh, we're coming up to about twenty years ago. They did that rock bottom pay per view, the the bird alive. Right, and the match was oh, like it was average at best. Was there any uh, awkward feeling backstage when like two big names would have a a bad match? Nah, bro. If if anything, they would get down on themselves. You know what I mean, bro. Steve and Taker were really, really good friends, and they were really tight. And if they had a match that they felt didn't live up to their expectations, I mean, they would really get down on themselves and they would just make sure they have a better match the next time. But they were pretty tight backstage, bro. And mm. Texan boys. Yeah. Here's an, speaking of Texan boys, there was plans for a Steve Austin versus a Billy Gunn feud. No, no, no. I always thought that Billy Gunn, much like Ken Samrock, they were guys that I think could have gone on to being. Yeah, bro, I'll tell you what the problem was. There were two problems. First of all, with Ken Shamrock, bro, I, I love Ken Shamrock, man. I think he's awesome. But a lot of the issues with Ken Shamrock were like contractually, bro. Mm. 
Mm. Um, and I was never involved in that. So like, I think that kind of um, slowed him down a bit. The thing with Billy Gunn that I think hurt him a little bit was when you put him together with um, Road Dog in the New Age Outlaws, Road Dog was so great on the mic. And that was not Billy's forte. And I just think the fact that Road Dog was so good and, you know, Billy, you know, was not the best on the mic. I think that held him back because, bro, I tell everybody, I think Billy was the greatest athlete I ever worked with. I think he was the best athlete I've I've ever worked with in the wrestling business. Do you think there's a fair claim to say that Billy Gunn is the greatest tag team wrestler of all time? I think that's fair to say. Yeah, bro. I mean, he's he's a great worker, man. He looks like a million bucks, man. Have you seen him these days? Yeah, I have. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely, man. Yep. Even when I say his name, I'm going to suck my gut in. Yeah. <laughs> so, as, as you may or may not have uh, guessed, uh, I'm a total mark and a bit of a nerd. And I know I hide it very well, and that's shocking news to you. But one of the great backstage rumors that marks like us get into is the fact that The Rock and Shawn Michaels apparently had real-life backstage heat throughout 98 and, uh, well, from like 96 up to 98. So can you give any sort of information or comment on that? Bro, there's there's really nothing. I mean, I... I, I... I would I would agree that I don't think Sean really liked Rock. Um, I don't know why, but as far as there even being a single incident where something happened backstage between the two, never happened, bro. Never. And I think a lot of that has to do with, especially on on the Rock side, bro. The guy was such a pro. I mean, in the way he carried himself, in the way he handled business. Um, he, he he would have never allowed anything like that to happen. So if, if there was any heat, bro, it never came to a head. There was never a fight. There was never an argument. There was never anything like that. Well, what's it like for you to be someone who, who knew him, has, who used to know the Rockers, or that new guy, Dwayne? Tonight, can you go see his films and escape the fact that this guy used to pester me for uh, promo lines? No, not at all, bro, because, I, bro, I tell people this all the time, and I, I've dealt with, like, thousands of wrestlers. Bro, the reason The Rock is where he's at, bro, he was smarter than every other wrestler I ever worked with. He was so and I knew it when I was working with him. I knew it that he was smarter than everybody else, bro. And I mean, I knew he was going to go far. I mean, it, that, that didn't surprise me at all. Yeah, I interviewed uh, Bruce Pritchard about 10 days ago, and he said to me that the thing about The Rock that's amazing that he's still the exact same guy. Yeah, I, I wouldn't doubt. I, I haven't seen him, bro, in like, I haven't seen him in like 20 years. But I, I would believe that he's the same exact guy. Yeah, although there's no forgiving that Baywatch film he made. That was awful. Oh, uh, yeah. What was the plans at the start of the year? What was the stuff planned for DX for later in 19? Bro, we never wrote that way, bro. I mean, they might write that way now. They might have written that way before us. 
bro, we really didn't have like long-term plans. We wrote the shows like very organically, bro. We, we wrote them like week to week. Uh, you know, maybe we had an idea of like what the main event was going to be at WrestleMania or something, but we ne- we never had everything planned out for everybody. We, we, we just didn't write that way, bro. Because the way we wrote was we listened to the, the people. And we paid very, very close attention to the ratings. And we let those things dictate the direction of the company. So we never, um, we never boxed ourselves in that, you know, okay, this is where we're going to go creatively and we're not going to move off this. We never did that, bro. Well, I'm, I'm just going to make up some sort of rumor and say that uh, I don't know Shawn Michaels versus. I'll, I'll get back to that one, but I'm the kind of just kind of a liar. That's just the way I am. Yeah. <laughs> but, but speaking of factions and stuff, when you went to uh, WCW uh, in later '99, early 2000, the NWO was reformed, the Black and yeah. Silver. But then, of course, Bret Hart got kicked in the head by that goof Goldberg. Uh, so the question I would ask you, or the question I'd love to know, is what were your initial plans? going into that NWO uh, reunion story? Well, bro, one of the things I was going to do was when I got to WCW, Brett was being so underutilized. And having worked with him for so many years at the WWE, I wanted to put Brett back in a position of prominence. So we were going to reform a very, very strong NWO and, you know, Brett was going to be a main piece to that, bro. But um, unfortunately, you know, getting kicked in the head, I mean, that really messed him up and that messed up all our plans. I, I think uh, the NWO gimmick, I think it's the greatest gimmick ever. And I'm a WWE mark, but I, I just think that NWO, and I, I think it could still work today with, uh, if you kept like a core three to four people. Yeah. It, like, like you put like a Drew McIntyre and a Becky Lynch and uh, me yeah. and uh, I don't know Lesnar have Lesnar be like an NWO guy that rarely turns up, but when he does turn up, you think someone's going to get stabbed. Yeah, yeah. But I just I just love that coming. But I got a question for you, Vince. You're you're sort of known for being quite uh, accessible and interactive with fans, wrestling fans. But is it ever difficult talking to fans because I went to this uh, Bruce Pritchard live show the other night and I was looking around in the room and I thought, kind of weird. Kind of weird, like how? Like, what do you mean? Like, uh, re- like, like I-, I-, I know I'm nerdy, but these guys, it was like they were dre- dressing up and caught in fancy dresses, yeah. nerds. Yeah. You know, bro, that's the thing. It's like I, I, I like having interaction with um, I, and I hate using the word fans. I hate that. But people that support me, I like interacting with them. But um, yeah, bro, like I, I think sometimes they take it way too seriously. And like there are so many times where I'll say, guys, it's it was just a television show. I mean, that's all it is. It's a television show. And I think it's great that you enjoy it and you're fans of it. I think that's great. But it's like, man, I I, I see people become obsessive over it. And, bro, I think when you become obsessive over anything, 
I just don't think that's good, man. And I don't think that's healthy. And, and I'll tell people that sometimes I'll, I'll say to them, bro, if you're paying this much attention to wrestling, you're probably neglecting something in your life. That's very important. That's you know, I tell, I tell them that all the time. Yeah, and plus, uh, I always I don't like it when fans go on about kayfabe because yeah. they've got no problem when Brian Cranston's hanging around with Aaron Paul and they're promoting uh, Breaking Bad DVDs. But if if Shawn Michaels is seen having a coffee with John Cena, they're all shitting themselves. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying, bro. Some some of them just take it way too far. Uh, I've got to ask you this question, and this is. This is something you've answered many, many times, but I've just got to ask you for today. Like, it's inevitable you're going to go into the Hall of Fame. Like, whether it's this year or next year or whatever, it, well, it won't be this year because the Hall of Fame's already happened, whether it's next year or the year after. So if you could pick anyone to induct you into the Hall of Fame, would it be the headbangers? No, bro, bro. First of all, that's never going to happen. In, in a million years, in your lifetime, in my lifetime, that's never going to happen. So, like, I don't even think about that. I don't even think about, you know, who, who would I don't even think, bro. I don't even think if if there was some kind of a miracle and they did offer it, bro, I don't even think I would accept it, to be honest with you. Well, I think you do yourself real disservice saying that, Vince, because it wasn't for you. Like, the, like I've been a mark since I was, I think, 1990 or 91 is when I remember watching WWE for the first time. And the best era ever was 96 to 99. And I'm not just saying that because you uh, are paying me for this interview. Uh, but it's I, I think that was the glory days. And I don't think it's a coincidence that it kind of went to shit after, uh, around, what was it, SummerSlam 99 or just before? Yeah, I think we I think we left in September of '99, so it would have been right after SummerSlam. Yeah, but that's um, but I know if you if I could pick anyone for you to be inducted by, it's got to be Glenn Gilberti. Oh God, that's the. <laughs> Hey, you know what, bro? It might it might be worth doing it if it's Glenn Gilberti. Now that now I now that might be worth doing it. Bro. There you maybe his Hall of Fame induction speech would be so good that that would be getting him inducted into the WWE. Well, bro, Hall maybe of Fame. what happens is he inducts me in the Hall of Fame, but I pull a swerve and I take my induction and I give it to Glenn. <laughs> This is this now, is now see now something like that would be worth it to me. See now that's ratings, that's network subscriptions. That would be amazing if there was a storyline done in a Hall of Fame speech. Yeah, Vince, you have to take that off, bro. Do you know I was having that conversation with China not long before she died, and I was telling her if you ever get inducted into the Hall of Fame. I said, and you're up there at the podium on, you know, live TV. I said, you got to cut a promo on them, not accept the nomination, leave the trophy right on the desk. I said, people will be talking about you till the end of time. And we were honestly talking about that. I don't know if she would have done it, but we talked about it. Can you see China uh, being inducted into the Hall of Fame, or do you think that hate's never going to? 
I, I, I don't know, bro. I, I can't predict what they do. Like, I, I don't know what they're doing anymore, bro. It is such a different company than when I worked there. I have no idea. I can't predict anything they do anymore. Uh, the, the only thing they do these days is they push up and comers such as Kane and Triple H. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, so exactly. different from back in your day. <laughs> now, bro, when you, we, I, I'm, I, I'm mesmerized by that badass scar that you have. Bro, you don't tell people you fell as a kid. I mean, don't you tell people like 20 guys jumped you and you had a fight? I mean, I hope you make it a real macho story, bro. Yeah, that's actually uh, part of my old stand-up comedy bits, if, if you're interested. Okay, let me hear it, man. Let me hear it. Okay, we say, so, you know, you go, so I was, a lot of people ask me about the scar, and I tell you, okay, I'll tell you a quick story. So I'm walking home with these two models, really beautiful models, <laughs> and uh, 10 ninjas jump out of nowhere. So I say to the three models, hey, wait there, girls. I've got to fight these 20 ninjas. So the five girls wait there, you know, the set, 10 models. So I walk over to the 30 ninjas, and I say, guys, I don't want any trouble. Maybe back off because I don't want to hurt all 50 of you. So the, twi- <laughs> so the 20 models that I met are standing behind me. And I say, okay, you 50, go get a champagne. I can pay for it. I'll just deal with these 100 uh, <laughs> So uh, I take out the 1,000 ninjas in about four seconds. It, you know, it didn't really get my clothes dirty. I took the 5,000 women back to the my room, did them all. It, was, it didn't even take me long. They were all exhausted. So I was walking out to go make them lunch, and I tripped over my penis and landed on the other end of my penis. <laughs> Very nice. Very, I like that. Very nice. Very nice. And that's a true story. <laughs> and uh, I gotta ask you. I see the uh, the the box set of him in the background, and it's someone that I used to love, and I can't stand him anymore. Who's that? What do you think about how Hard Stern has changed? Bro, I got to tell you, like, you know, he was a uh, he was a, a big inspiration to me. But, bro, like, I'll be honest with you. I think he changed because of age. I mean, bro, the guy's in his mid 60s now. I mean, I, I don't know how anybody could expect him to do stuff that he was doing, like in his 30s. I think he just got older, bro. And I think he just mellowed out. But uh, I've got to say the fact that he would ban people like Gilbert from the show. Yeah, I don't like that. That that yeah, that stuff, yeah. I he's he's banned a lot of people from the show. Um I don't I don't agree with that, no. And and I also don't like how he's being portrayed as a feminist these days because he used to literally he used to do the Miss Butterface contest. It's like there's that there's that female apartment. Bro, I was just thinking about that today. Remember when they used to throw baloney at their asses? <laughs> They you remember they used to do that, bro. Can you imagine that today? Can you imagine, bro? Uh see and see just before I come up to the final question here, Vince. Uh can you do an Irish accent? Oh gosh, bro. I don't think so, man. I I can't, bro. I can't. I love it though. I, I absolutely love it. I think it's awesome. Bro, the only the only accent i have an issue with like bro i went to the uk i love that i went to ireland i love that but bro like when you get to like scotland and you got like a guy like grado 
Yeah. Bro, I don't know. I didn't know what they were saying, bro. Like, half, it's funny, bro, because half of the people you could understand, but then the other half of the people you can't understand. It was weird to me, bro. Bro, I swear <laughs> to God, I, I, probably, I, I mean, I've had a lot of conversations with Grado. I, I have no idea what he's saying. You know, uh, Conan says that uh, when he speaks to Grado, that he makes Grado do it in a cowboy accent because it's the only way he can understand them. Yeah, bro, he used to do that to me in a New York accent. Grado used to talk to me like in perfect New York. And I and I used to say, bro, please talk to me that way so I know what you're saying. So, Vince, this is the big question that everything relies on. The Spice Girls are back. Who's your favorite Spice Girl? Well, bro, unfortunately, my favorite one isn't back because my favorite one is Posh. Always has been. Well, I'm afraid that's the wrong answer. The, the correct answer was Baby Spice. And, and, and why is that, bro? Because she's got a nice big round arse. Arse, okay. <laughs> bro, is that saying the other four didn't have nice round arses? Uh, they did, but Baby's the only one that's uh, held up in 2018. Uh, okay, so you're basing it on today then? Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right, that's fair enough. But that's even, fair. But even back in the day, Baby Spice, she's the only one that seemed like the normal one where she could, she would eat junk food and not care about, ooh, my legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, listen, Vince, I just really want to thank you for coming and taking the time to do this. I'm a huge fan of you for decades. The fact that you would take the time at all is amazing, and thank you so much. Bro, when are you putting this up, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, possibly Wednesday. Okay. I just want to say to everybody out there listening, man, you know, right now, bro, over on the brand, you guys know I do a show every single day of the week. I got a different co-host every day. For the month of December, bro, if you've never been a part of the brand, you get a month for free. No long-term commitment, bro. You can go try it for free for 30 days. You just got to do it in the month of December. Just go to Russo'sBrand.com. It's it's my Christmas gift to you, bro. And it's a bargain because there's so much old content and new content coming out all the time. Why wouldn't it? Yeah, it's free. Absolutely free. No strings attached. There you go. Vince, thank you so much for your time. All right, bro. You're welcome. Thank you, man. Okay, and have a great Christmas to you and your family. Uh, you too, my friend. All right, Vince. Take care now. Keep away from those ninjas, bro. <laughs> Vince, I can't believe I got talking to you. Thank you so much for your time. And hey, you may not have noticed there was some technical snafus during the middle of that. Uh, but Vince is very kind enough to reenact parts of it because he's just generally a good guy. So that was the episode, and don't forget to stay tuned for next week. It looks like we're going to have Mark Normand on. We're going to have Joe Cronin on. Looks like maybe Ralph Garman should be with us. Probably going to have Simone Marie from Primal Scream, Victoria May Clark, Shane McGowan. We may have Eric Bischoff coming on. You never know. So that's it. It's Susie. Bye-bye. <laughs>